So today we're going to talk about Jesus is my elder brother and my friend. Jesus, who do you say that he is? Well, the word of God proclaims, you know, I started this by saying um, all those, I don't know how long ago it was, um, the Lord says, tell them who I am, tell them what I've done. It's not just enough for you to know it in your mind, you have to know it in your heart. The Lord can't be to you uh, what, what's not been revealed to you. Because remember what uh, he asked Peter. He said, who do men say that I am? And he said, well, some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist. And he said, who do you say that I am? And J what did Peter say? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Everybody say that. Say, Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then what happened? P then Jesus said to Peter, what? Flesh has not revealed, but my Father. Now, how does the Father reveal? Through the Holy Ghost. How does my, the Father reveal that to you through the Holy Ghost? The same Holy Ghost that was on Jesus, who went about doing good, that Holy Ghost revealed to Peter the same Holy Ghost that lives in you, the same Holy Ghost that raised you from the dead when he raised Jesus from the dead. He's the revealer. And it's not enough just to have uh, truth that you've heard in your mind. It has to dawn on you in revelation and illumination. You can only walk in revelation. You must renew your mind. You must, and that will help you with revelation. But you, you have to have revelation. You are doing today what you currently believe. You are receiving today what has been revealed to you. The problem is that God is not stopping revelation, but you need to be open to further revelation. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, they don't need something new. They just need fresh bread. Amen. So we're attempting to get you fresh bread. Amen. Are you, receiving, are you ready for some, for some hot rolls? Amen. With butter on them. All right. Well, the word's better than that. Amen. Glory to God. So Jesus, as an elder brother, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. So, uh, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. So it's beginning in Hebrews. It's talking about you and, my, and I. It says, by whom are all things. It's talking about Jesus in bringing many sons, that's sons and daughters, unto glory. To, to make the captain, talking about Jesus, of their salvations perfect through suffering. Verse 11. For both he that sanctifies and to those who are sanctified are all one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, if, if you've been around here, you know that you've heard this from me over and over again, but I can't hardly let it go by. I grew up very religious. And I did have a respect for God, but almost a wrong fear of God. Um, I always saw him with a baseball bat and a fly swatter, the fly swatter, because that's what my mom beat me with, the dirty one. Anyway, and so, um, just saying, so that's how I saw God, though so afraid of him that I would never take communion. And so after my sister and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, she got filled first, and we began to read the Word of God. Once, I remember, I think we were getting ready for church or whatever. We were living home. My mom and dad were living in Iowa. And um, I, you know, just really started to go to church. And she said to me, Mark, do you know that Jesus is our, our, our elder brother? And I remember I said, Robin, don't you ever say that. 
that's just, oh, that's blasphemous. She says, well, it's right here. But see, I have this concept that he would never consider me like that. This is real important. He is not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister. He's not ashamed of you. So if he's not ashamed of you, you and I not, ought not be ashamed of him. He is not ashamed. No matter how good you are, bad you are, imperfect you are, where you are in your walk with God, he is not ashamed of you. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to tell him that one. I don't want to tell him that one. It's when the church first starts talking about being ashamed. It's a time and an hour not to be ashamed of what the Lord is doing in your life. He's not ashamed of you. Oh, I don't want to. Okay. Um, and so um, when the church first started over in the storefront, I got invited to a special meeting for ministers to pray in Tulsa. And these were all my uh, big dog friends. I had high esteem for them. Um, I got an invitation. I don't know how because it was invite only. And so the Sunday before I left, I had one person at church. Um, it was just one person, me and one person. And so I'm on a plane flying to Tulsa. And while I'm there, um, just some things happen, some ministers around praying. And I had three of them come to me and say to me, hey, I heard you started a church. I want to come minister. And I ignored all three of them. I'm just on a very brief thing. I just literally ignored all of them. And all of them are still my friends today. Anyway, but I, they were all well-known in the ministry, well-known in our circle. And they all was just like, I'm going to come help you. And I just ignored them. I wouldn't answer them. One of them got mad at me. I just told him that uh, last week because he was here uh, with his wife. And I just said, do you remember that? He said, I, have, I don't know what you're talking about. So, well, I remember it well. Let me, and uh, so, um, so I'm making a point is an hour where we can't be ashamed. And so I remember I was sitting on a plane and this, this guy that was this minister who was very well known had one of the largest churches in our circle. I mean, one of the largest churches. And so he saw me in the back of the plane, and he started walking back towards me. And I said out loud, God, if he asked me to come preach in my church, I don't know what I'm going to do. The reason is because I had one lady. I didn't even have a woman's Bible study. I had one lady. And so he came back. And he handed me a $100 bill. He said, go buy, your pair, go buy yourself a pair of shoes. I said, well, I know you know God. Because <laughs> at that point, I hadn't been able to buy a good pair of shoes for a while. And I liked some shoes. I knew that was God. So anyway, he turned and walked away. But then somebody else came and sat by me. Nobody could see him. But I sure felt him. And this is what he said to me. He said, you tell everybody, I told you to go to Alabama to start a church. Yes. You told everybody that I'm the Lord of that church. Yes. Then why are you embarrassed about what I'm doing? Well, <laughs> oh. but I've never forgotten it. Why am I bringing that up? Why is the Holy Ghost bringing that up? I don't know. Uh, why is the Holy Ghost bringing that up? Because this is our, we cannot be embarrassed of him. Whatever he's doing in your life, wherever you're at, don't look around and compare yourself with anybody else. Let the Lord work in you. 
But don't be embarrassed of what he's doing in you and don't be embarrassed of him. He's not embarrassed of you. Now, if you let that sink in, we could be done today. He's not embarrassed of you. Well, I'm trying to get better because I don't want him to. He's not embarrassed to call you brethren. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Jesus is the firstborn. He's our elder brother. He's the firstborn. Hallelujah. Everybody say, Jesus is my elder brother. Then what does that mean? Romans 8, 17. And if children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and a joint heir. What's a joint heir? If you're a joint, if you've got three siblings in the family and mama and daddy leave and they leave you all as joint heirs, what does that mean? That means three co-equal. Everybody gets the same thing. This is not... Just wording here, you are a joint heir. You are a joint heir. Why? Because you're a child of God. He's our elder brother. And everything that he has, he is sharing equally with you. That's why he said, Father, everything you have, you've given me, and I'm going to give it to them. Everybody say, I'm a joint heir. Hallelujah. Everything he has. He is not withholding any good thing from you. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're a son of God. You are not the son of God. There is only one Jesus. But you are. Do not degrade yourself. Do not belittle your position. You are a child of the king. You are a child of the most high God. Father, God, Jehovah, the almighty, the one who was... The one who has always been, he is Abba to you. He is your father. And you are his child. And with that comes a lot of privileges. One of them is you're an heir. Pastor Robert was talking about it. Man, all the covenants are ours to walk in. Why? Because I'm an heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not just an heir. I don't just get partial things. I am a joint heir. Everything he has, he shares with me. But if I'm really going to be a good joint heir, then everything I have belongs to him. Everything. Everything. My life, my finances, um, my family, who I am, what I do. I'm an heir and a joint heir. If so that we would suffer with him, that we also be glorified together. Galatians 4, 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. You're no more a servant, but a son. What is it talking about? In the old covenant, they were servants. They were not children of God. God did not live on the inside of them. Their covenant, although a good one, uh, they, were not, they were not sons. Moses was not a son of God. He was a servant of God. Deborah the prophet, servant of God, 
not a daughter. We have a privilege and a right in this covenant because of what Jesus, our elder brother, did. Adam and Eve, son and daughter, broken relationship. Everybody following, servants. But when Jesus went, I don't have time. Jesus went and preached to the captives that were in Abraham's bosom. Then we're all made equal again. You're a son and a daughter. Don't take it lightly. Everybody say, Jesus is my elder brother. I am a child of God. And what does that make you? Then I'm an heir. I'm an heir. Everything that Jesus bought and paid for, I'm an heir to. I have to receive it. I have to take it. But who is Jesus? He's my elder brother. He made me his son. He's the first begotten from the dead. Aren't you glad you're alive? Not just physically alive. Are you glad you're spiritually alive? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. He's our elder brother. And so it says we are no more servants But we are sons and we are heirs. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that he has gotten in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and seating, what does that mean? It's mine. I have to learn how to receive it. I have to learn how to walk in it. But I'm an heir to it. If you were left in the natural, if somebody had a will and testament and they left you a joint heir with three cousins because they had no children, you were joint, three, three of you were joint co-equal heirs. I mean, they, and two of your cousins went to get all their stuff and you never heard anything about it or you didn't believe it was true. That would just be sitting there waiting on you. Nobody else could have it. You'd have to go get it. You got to take it. Let us not live below our privilege. Amen. Everything that Jesus provided is ours. Because he's our elder brother. Because he, he made, wouldn't it just be good? We could have just been saved. Miss hell, make heaven. But that's not what he did. He made you an heir. Say it again. Jesus is, Jesus is. my elder brother. And that leads me to John chapter 15, verses 13 through 15. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Who's this talking about? Jesus. Because he said, you are my friends. Verse 14. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you. We'll come back and pick this one up. Verse 15. Henceforth, I no longer call you servants. So let's go back to Galatians 4, 7. You are no longer a servant, but you're a son. But here, he begins to say in John uh, 15, 15, he said, I no longer call you servants, for the servant not, knows not what the Lord does, but I have called you what? Now, I had a friend of mine, I think in this church a long time ago, he said, quit calling yourself a friend of God. It's demeaning. And I, and I didn't get up and correct him, um, but he was like all in a fit about it. He was like, you know, we're sons of God, not friends of God. Well, Jesus said, how many know you can be both? <laughs> yeah. 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 
I mean, I'm a son of God, but I'm also a friend of God. And if you're not a friend of God, there are some things you're not going to be able to have. It's this friendship thing is real important. I know for me, um, and, and this should be all of our aim, uh, Jesus being your best friend. Walking with him in such a way. Because he wants that. What is that? Friendship, fellowship. Yes, you know, with the Father God, Father, Son, Father, Daughter. But also there's a friendship thing there. He said, I have no longer called you servants, because people used to be servants. For the servant, why? A servant doesn't know everything a friend does. A servant doesn't know everything a child does. Destiny, my daughter, knows things about our family that you're never going to know. I know things about Pastor Rhonda that you're never going to know. She knows things about me that you're never, they're just secrets. Not bad secrets, just things. You know, like her second toe. Oh, I just told you. Anyway, anyway. No, she can get it. She's not in here to defend herself. She's in uh, class. I, I call you notes for the servant knows. She's, she did it. I am not telling anything. She already did all that. Uh, you know that the Lord does. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father, I make known to you. Jesus is elder brother. You're no longer a servant. You're a son. But he also calls you a friend. And you and I need to be very much friends with the Lord right now. Why is it important? Well, let's look at this. Let's look at James chapter 2 verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God. It was imputed unto him for righteousness. Let's stop right there. Because Abraham believed, righteousness was credited to him. But how many of you know, once you're saved, uh, once you've been washed in the blood, you've been made righteous. He who knew no sin became sin so you could become righteous. Everybody say, I'm righteous. And that righteousness puts you in position to be what? And he was called the friend of God. Abraham was called the friend of God. Jesus said in John 15, 15, he said, we're no longer servants, but I call you friend. Why? Because the servant doesn't know what the Lord is doing or about, I'll put this in there, or about to do. The servant, or even those who don't believe they're friends of God or take up their and walk in their sonship, they are left in the dark. They have no idea what tomorrow holds. That makes them very afraid. That makes the spirit of fear uh, be able to come upon them. But if you're a son of God, a daughter of God, and especially a friend of God, you know that he's going to let you in on what is coming. I tell this account uh, back, you know, way long time ago. 
Uh, seems like yesterday, but it was a while when 9-11 happened. For a couple years, I remember we lived in a house, our, a smaller starter home, and it had a shot. It had a kitchen. It was a galley where there's on either side, and you just so I would, the Lord would wake me up, and I so I wouldn't disturb Pastor Rhonda. I'd just be up for hours, some nights in a row, praying back and forth, and I'd pray out things about terrorism and a city, Boston, and da 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 da. And so I, you know, I, I just felt like I was doing it forever. And then when 9-11 happened, I remember over in the A-frame, I told the story all the time. I walked in, the first thing I said to God was, I thought we were friends. Why didn't you tell me? So you talk to him that way? Well you should hear the way he talks to me. <laughs> um, and you know what he said to me? He said, I did tell you. You just didn't get it. <laughs> I've been telling you for a couple years. You just didn't get it. Because it was just beyond the mind to grasp. But God will let you know things that are happening all around you. He'll let you know. Um, well, does he have to tell you everything? Well, I don't know that he has to tell you everything. He's God. But he can let you know things where you can be prepared. What, who does that? A friend. Come on. I use this illustration all the time, but it's the best one I know. If you're at dinner with somebody and you just had spinach and artichoke dip and they're talking to you and there's spinach hanging between their teeth, you are no kind of friend if you just let them keep going. Well, it's embarrassing. Trust me, when they go to the mirror and see that, they're going to be mad at you for a really long time. And that's one of the things our friend will do. He'll tell us what's wrong. He's there for us in hard times. But a real friend, a real friend will tell you the whole truth. Now, a lot of people don't like real friends. They want the superficial kind to only tell them that they're, you're the greatest thing ever and you never make any mistakes. And yeah, that's a smart idea. Yeah, you should just go keep on doing that. A real friend would tell somebody when they're about ready to run in front of a semi. A real friend would tell somebody when they are acting stupid, looking stupid. No, those two colors do not match. I don't know what you're thinking. No, that doesn't smell good. No, that doesn't taste good. Don't ask me if you don't want me to tell you. How that looks. I know children today are taught to lie. You could teach them better than that. Teach them how to nicely not say what's up. Anyway, hallelujah. What in the world? Where are we doing? Um, the Lord will let you know some things. Genesis 18, 17. We're looking on this on Wednesday night. We looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. This is about Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot lived there. Remember, the sin was calling up for judgment, and the Lord came down to see. That's interesting. But this is more interesting. And the Lord said, shall I, God, hide from Abraham the thing which I'm about to do? Why? Because this concerned Abraham. His nephew lived there. So God is not hiding things. But, you know, I remember a number of years ago, there was this preacher who came very famous from uh, playing hide-and-go-seek with God. 
um, wrote a book about it. And, you know, God is hiding from you so that you'll seek him. Um, God's not playing games. He's not hiding. He's not silent. He's always been on his throne. He's given you the access to it. And if you're a friend, he will tell you what's up. The good, the bad, and the ugly. If he's your friend. And sometimes, you know, um, we have to get this, that I believe that there's some things coming up that the Lord will give you inside information concerning your life, concerning your business, concerning your career, concerning your family. He'll tell you how to prepare. He'll tell you how to pray. He'll, he'll, he'll just get all those things uh, in line for you. Amen? Amen? The Lord, he will not hide from you what he's about to do in your life if you are his friend. And Jesus says you qualify, but are you acting like the Lord is your friend? Well, let's see. Hallelujah. Y'all excited? Everybody said the Lord is my friend. Is the Lord your friend? Woo, hallelujah. Then go to James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses. Does anybody know what adultery is? Do I need to explain it? Yeah, I think I do for this modern age. I think I do need to explain it. Um, naturally speaking, when a man and a woman are married, they should have no other partners. It's adultery. It's a sin. Right? And we are in a marriage covenant with God. And so he's saying, well, you know, I'm a friend of God. This doesn't apply to me. James is New Testament, and he's saying, if you want to be my friend, this is the deal. Don't, be, don't commit adultery. Do you not know that friendship with the world puts you at enmity or an enemy or in opposition to God? What does friendship with the world mean? Well, you mean, Pastor Mark, I can't have any friends that are not saved. No, that's not what he said. Friendship with the world. What does that mean? Uh, doing what the world does, sinning like the world does, and calling it okay. And we live in a time when the devil is bombarding our senses and make, trying to make people who are in the church question, did God say that? What does God mean by that? And resting the scripture and changing things to fit this modern culture. Well, God has never changed, will never change, has decided what is sin and what is not sin, and you can't change it. Yeah, but pastor, we have to reach people, so we got to be friends with the world. we got to be friends with the world. Well, you can have acquaintances. You can minister to them, and somebody's got to because there are harvests. But you cannot uh, wink at, nod at, and say it is okay. That is fine. God, people say this, well, God loves them anyway. He wants to be their friend. He does, but he's telling us who are born again, don't be, don't, if you have friendship with the world, you can't change the scripture that puts us at enmity, opposition to God. So you and I have a choice to make. Everybody good? I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Then we can't have an adulterous heart 
We can't have friendship with the world because that puts us in enmity with God. Who's therefore a friend of God? Uh, a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You can't make it any clearer than that. Well, you know, we got, Pastor Mark, you've got to be careful because, you know, we don't want the harvest. We don't have, want the people to think we're their enemy. No, I'm not your enemy, and God's not your enemy. Your action and your lack of, um, your lack of repentance, that's an enemy. God doesn't want to be anyone's enemy. Jesus just said he wants to be your friend. But he's talking to us who are his sons and daughters and his friends. If you want a friendship, he's basically drawing a line in the sand. If you want to be my friend, if you want to know what's coming, you can't say what is going on is okay. If you like that, I'm not necessarily talking about Facebook, but if you like something that is sin to God, then he's saying, that's an enmity with me. You can't pluck this scripture out. Who therefore will be a friend of this world is an enemy. That's strong language. Romans 8, 6 through 7. Remember, I am a friend of God. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God. For, he, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither need. So what do we need to make sure? Uh, Amos 3 and 3 says, how can two walk together unless they... And if you really want to be friends with God and God wants... Because God wants to be friends with you. He just got some conditions on it. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. But if you, I believe this friendship thing is an elevation of a walk with him. Enoch walked with God and he was no more. I remember the Lord just dealing with me, just just with things in my life. He just said, Mark, just walk with me. What does that mean? Fellowship with me. Spend time with me. I want to be your friend. And when you are God's friend, then um, the things of this world, you're going to have to say, no, that opposes what my friend, my best friend, he dislikes that, and I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to love you. I'm going to help you to try to get out of that, but I'm not going to agree with you. I'm not going to like it. Um, I can love you without liking or agreeing with your sin. And if you agree with their sin, then you're never going to get them out of their sin. Hallelujah. Talking about being a friend of God. A real friend. You got spinach in your teeth. Go get it out. That's a real friend. And a real friend too, though, when you're down, he'll, he'll pick you up. You can do this. You can do It's not all... Being a real friend, it's a very interesting walk, isn't it? Uh, telling somebody as a real friend, this is the real deal. But also when they're down, picking them up. And is the Lord good at that? Yeah, it's not, a, it's not one kind of a friend. Come on. How, you married folks. Your husband, your wife ought to be your best friend. They ought to be able to talk to you about anything. Praise the Lord. Welcome home, Dr. Matkins. Hallelujah. 
My friend, good to see you. So, Psalms 145.18. The Lord is near unto them that call. So if you want to be friends with the Lord, the Lord is near on people who call upon him in truth. So how can two walk together unless they agree? Agree on what? The truth. The truth is non-negotiable. The truth of God's word is non-negotiable. Sin is not negotiable. It's either sin or it's not. It's not a choice. It's not a preference. It's either sin or it's not. If you want to be a friend of God, you've got to agree with God. Well, be careful, Pastor Mark, that you don't portray God as mean. I'm not portraying him as mean. It's just this is the way it is. He's saying, this is who I am. You want to be my friend? Then this is what you've got to do. I've made a way through Jesus not to call you a servant anymore to a friend. There are some, there are some benefits of being a friend of God. You can know stuff that others aren't going to know. And that will help you in your life. Amen. Jesus proved that he was our friend Back to John 15, 13. Greater love has this. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life. Are you grateful Jesus laid down his life? Before you and I were his friends, he knew you would be his friend. And he decided to lay down his life for you. Amen. And really, I believe if you do this, then on our side, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, we want to reach some people. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How do you lay down your life for them? Just love on them. Be there for them. Doesn't mean that um, you, there's got to be a way that you can help people without uh, saying where they're living and how they're living is acceptable and right to God. Because you, you can't believe that and know God. He doesn't want to leave people in their sin because sin leads to death. Jesus is our friend. Jesus wants to be a, he wants that relationship that you and I have in that area to grow. But that's up to you and me. It's not up to him. So I think the Lord's offering something to you today. A friendship. Maybe in times past. How many of you know with friends, sometimes you lose touch with them a little bit? And the Lord will reunite you. I believe going forward that this friendship, you've really got, you and I have really got to have. I'll just be real blunt with you, real honest with you. There's been times in my life when the Lord's been a closer friend than others. And I do this all the time. Every one of us, me, you, you can let that relationship, friendship, go a little bit. 
It's, it's like a marriage. It takes work. If you have, if you have friends in your life, I mean, I, I'm grateful. The, the natural friends that I have mostly are all pastors because we lead a very interesting life. And I can't have someone, if I haven't talked to them in six months, then be mad, you know, <laughs> because we just got to pick up. But that, I can't do that with God. So maybe even some of you with your natural relationships because you're busy, don't put that over into your walk with God. 